0: What do you do do when asking just isn't enough? So tonight we'll we'll take a look at that passage from a story um, in the New Testament. But for right now, Jeremiah chapter 1, or Jeremiah chapter 18, verse number 1. I I, I was reminded as I was studying this before I read it, uh, of how God's Word truly is living water. I, I was thinking about... (laughs) The river, I I love to fish. I love to fish on the river. I've been able to go once since September of last year, twice since June of last year. It doesn't sound like I love it, but I do. Just haven't been able to go very much. One of the things I love about the river is not just the quality of the fish, but I I love the fact that there's always something new coming down the river. I just, you never know what you're going to see when you're on the river. You never know what comes floating down next. But I do know this. Every time I go to the river is a new experience. Every time I go, I see something different. That's why God's Word is referred to as living water. Every time you pull up a chair beside this river, there's something new. Every time you open it and begin to navigate through the waters of this stream right here, there's something fresh and there's something new coming downstream. And the reason I'm reminded of that is because I don't know how many times I've read jeremiah i'm not sure how many times i may have read this particular passage i even know that three maybe four years ago i preached a message from this exact same passage of scriptures about the potter's hand and i'm preaching things this morning that i had not seen until this week so the more you read god's word i'm just telling you if you've read god's word through in a year you've taken the one-year bible challenge praise god for that truly i pray god would bless you amazingly for that, But there's never a time that we stop reading the Word. There's never a time that it's not fresh. There's never a time that it's not new. The Word, of the, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there will I cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. The vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, Can I not do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine, O house of Israel. I want to bring a message this morning simply on the potter's will. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. Thank you for loving us in spite of us. Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for Calvary's cross. Thank you for the stripes that heal us. God, thank you for the name of Jesus that we can be saved. Thank you, Father, for loving us and caring us the way that you do. Father, I pray, would you move in this place this morning, God? I pray, Lord, would you create in me a humble heart, Father? I pray that you would speak through me the words that you would have me to speak. I pray, Lord, for the hearers, God, would each one receive your word according to their own need, Father? May you meet each one of us in the place that that we need to be met, that we might walk out of here having learned more to be a better Christian, God. But most of all, I pray that you are pleased, God, with what happens in your house this day. God, I pray that you receive all glory and honor. I pray that when we walk out of here, God, that you can look down on this place and smile. I ask you to bless us, Father. Teach us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You guys can be seated. So so here in our text this morning, one of the things that, that I saw right off that if I've seen it before, I I don't remember it. I'll say that. I'm not saying sometimes that I didn't know things or haven't heard things and may have even said them out loud. I don't know, but I can tell you this. I don't remember seeing it this way before, which means that God wanted me to see something specifically when he said that he sent Jeremiah to the potter's house. He doesn't accidentally go to the potter's house. He's not just passing by the house and he notices the potter there working. God has deliberately sent Jeremiah to the potter's house so that he might teach Jeremiah something. Now, here's what I was thinking. If God was talking to, some of you are going to understand where I'm coming from. If God's already talking to me, then why don't you just tell me what it is that you want me to know instead of telling me to go somewhere else to get it? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So we just sit there and don't go. If God's already talking to Jeremiah, why don't he just tell him what he wants him to know? Why does he tell him to get up and go to the potter's house? And when you get to the potter's house, I'm going to teach you something there. I don't know the answer to that. But here's how it related to me, because we've talked a lot of times about how in our lives God speaks to us. We're getting ready to go to work. We're getting ready to come to church. We're getting ready to go to school. We're getting ready to go somewhere that we've been hundreds or thousands of times in our lives. And God tells us to go a different way. I've been going this way for years. Why would I go that way? It takes longer. It's further. There's more stop signs. There's red lights. There's traffic. Why would I go that way? Well, who knows? Maybe God has somebody broke down on the side of the road. And he plans on us being a blessing. We talked about, you know, well, God says, I want you to go here and get gas on this day. And we get there, and it's more than the place where we usually fill up. Or after work, I want you to go to a different grocery store than you usually. But, but I don't like that grocery store. It's not as clean. The people aren't as friendly. The prices are higher. We've got a million reasons why we go where we go. But God said, I want you to go somewhere else. And I've always looked at that like this. There might be somebody there that God needs you to witness to. There might be somebody there that God needs you to tell them about Jesus. There might be somebody there that's down in the dumps and God needs to use you to pick them up and set them up and be a blessing to them. But here's what I saw in the story this time. It it might not have anything to do with anybody else. God might want you to go that way, go to that place, that He might show you a potter's wheel. He might want you to go somewhere different. It has nothing to do with anybody else. It's all but between God and myself. God might want me to go somewhere different, be somewhere different, that He might teach me something different. How many of you are visual learners? If He told me about the potter's wheel while I was praying one morning, I may or may not remember it. But if I went and saw the potter's wheel and God gave me this illustration, I'm going to remember what I saw. All I'm saying is when God says, go this way, go this way. It may quite be that God's going to use you for somebody else, but it may not have anything to do with anybody but me. That God is about to do something to shape and to mold and to make me. So Jeremiah, he arrives here at the house, and he sees the potter. The potter is busy about his work. He's using this spinning wheel, and y'all know how it works. And it spins around, and he takes this lump of clay, and he works it with his hands, and he shapes it, and, and he makes it into a vessel. But, but here's something that's amazing. He, he has already made a vessel out of the lump of clay. As Jeremiah is approaching, there is a vessel there that has already been made from the clay. The word vessel comes from the Hebrew word. It means something of use. It's something that has been prepared for a purpose. The potter's already made a vessel. It's not like the clay was useless. It's not like it hasn't already been shaped into something. He has been prepared for something, for a purpose, but then he mars it with his hands and he starts all over. The story doesn't tell us why he marred the clay. So don't, don't plug in the things that God doesn't tell us. We, we don't know. It's obvious that it must not have been to the potter's standard. It's obvious there was something there. I don't know. Maybe there was some air bubbles in the clay. Maybe there was some foreign objects, some specks of sand or something foreign in the, in the clay. It doesn't really say, but whatever it was, it was enough of a problem to the potter that the potter marred the vessel made it back into a lump of clay and then started all over to make it something brand new that seemed good to the potter it doesn't say that it looked better to Jeremiah it it, it doesn't even say that it's a better vessel It may not have been as beautiful. The first one might have been a a vase with all kind of contour and a base on it and and some shape to it, and and maybe he marred it and made it into just a, a simple bowl. It may not have even been as pretty and as attractive as the first one was. It doesn't tell us that. It just says that it was marred and it was made into another vessel as seemed good to the potter. That's what God does with you and I. I know if we read it and you look that it's addressed to the Hebrew nation. It's written to the Jew. The letter is written to the Jew in the Old Testament. But in the Word of God, Jesus Christ came to make all things new again. Praise God, when Jesus Christ came, he included us in the family. It's not, no longer Jew and Gentile. It's the family of God through the blood of Jesus Christ that brings us together as one. And God recorded this story in his Word so that we might all have it, so that we understand that God is doing something special in our lives. Sometimes God does things in our lives that are difficult. Sometimes we go through situations in life that are, that are hard to handle. Now, you and I, we chose Jesus Christ, and that's what God wants, is a family that has chosen Him through the gift that He offered and the free gift of Jesus Christ. We have chosen Jesus Christ, but God chose us first. And the God that chose us loves us too much to leave us the way he found us. Because how many of you, Tim's already asked how many of us were sinners, and hopefully everybody raised our hand. But when we were sinners and God came, when we accepted Christ, we were a mess. And so God just loves us too much to leave us the way that he found us. So he begins the process. Yes, he saved our souls. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Brother Tim, he washed away all of my sins as far as the east is from the west never to be remembered again. Thank you, Father. But that's not the end of the process. At the end of the process, we are to look like Christ. So that when I see him, I shall see him. We shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. The end of the process is for us to bear the image of Jesus Christ. Romans eight twenty nine says, For whom he did foreknow, he, did also pre- did he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. None of us are an accident. God knows exactly what he is doing for, for every one of us. He told Jeremiah, the fifth verse of the first chapter, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God didn't just know Jeremiah before he was formed in the mother's womb. God knew you and I. Before we were ever formed, he already had a plan in place. Now, in order for us to become the image of Jesus Christ, we have to be placed on the wheel and molded into the image that God wants us to be. We have to have faith that we are in the hands of the potter, and the potter knows what's best. Well, sometimes that's a little hard to swallow, isn't it? We, we have to have faith that God is still working on. Anybody here a work in progress beside me? We, we have to know that God is still working on us. And by faith, we believe that, that what He is doing in our lives is for our good and for His glory. We, we have to believe that, that God is working on us. We don't have to understand how it works. We just have to have faith in His works. We don't have to understand why He's doing what He's doing. We just have to, by faith, know there's a reason that the potter knows why He's doing what He's doing. Sometimes change is painful. I just used it within the past couple of weeks, and my apologies. I, I've used Paul Hutchins' example on multiple times. When I hear a better example, I promise you I'm going to use it. And I'm going to quit giving you the same one. But in the meantime, I'm going to keep stealing from Paul Hutchins when he talked about the concrete, because it's such a great example of why he talked about he liked working with children. When concrete is wet, I don't care how you put the mold, you can pour the concrete into it and you can shape it into that mold. Very few of us are wet concrete anymore. And and it doesn't matter if you want to change the mold while the concrete is wet. You can keep changing. You can make it into an image. You can work. But when it has set up even 24 hours, it becomes very different. Once it's got hard, you can still mold it. It's still changeable. It just takes more work. It takes a, 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 a concrete blade saw or a hammer and a chisel, maybe a, a jackhammer. So there, there's still a process. It can still be changed. It's just harder. As we get harder and God needs to change things in us, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's a more difficult process than just forming wet concrete. Because sometimes you're old and not headed like me and get set in your ways. And and now God has to do some things to to kind of shape up and change. So it's, it's kind of like marring the clay. It's breaking it up to start all over. Clay is just like concrete. Once it is no longer pliable, it has become hardened. And once it has become hardened, it's not only more difficult to shape, but it's harder to get it into the exact image that you're trying to shape it. So I wonder, probably everybody in here, I wonder how many people in here could raise our hands and say, I've been through some hard things in my life. I've been through some stuff I didn't understand. I've been through some things that I asked God to get me out of, and it just didn't seem like it worked out that way. I've, I've been through some very difficult situations in my life. I've been through times when I felt like I was alone. I've been through times when I felt like God couldn't hear my voice, wasn't nowhere, in the same zip code around where I was. I'm just saying that life brings some very difficult things. All of us have been through tragedy, and all of us have been through personal things that, that seem to kind of pull us down. Many of you are going through things right now. It's not what you've been through, it's what you're going through. Sometimes it's because the potter is making some things new. The the thing that we can learn here from from the potter is, is it doesn't mean that you're a bad Christian. It doesn't have to mean that you did anything wrong. Listen, if God's correcting you from sin, you know that. If you did some sin against God, you've not repented, and God is now breaking you. You know that. But what about when you haven't? What about when you don't understand? I feel like I'm going through, I'm sorry, hell on earth, and I don't understand Why? I understand what I did wrong. God just loves us enough to work on us, to shape us. It doesn't mean that we're a bad Christian. It doesn't mean that God's not hearing our prayers. It doesn't mean that God won't answer our prayers. Sometimes He's just making something new that seems good to the potter. If we look at the Word of God, there's tons of examples. If we look in the Old Testament... We we see Abraham, but we see that he was in the hand of the potter. You know, when when we see Abraham, we see what the Word of God calls the friend of God. Obviously, he's walking hand in hand with God. He has developed a very special relationship with the Father to be called the friend of God. The Bible tells us that he sojourned in the land of promise. The Bible tells us that, that he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. The Bible tells us that Abraham sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore, innumerable. The Bible tells that Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son. But before we have Abraham, we have Abram. Abram was a man who grew up in Ur, land of the Chaldees. The Chaldees is a very idolatrous nation. Everything about them is idolatry. They have all kinds of little wooden trinkets and things that that they call gods. And he was at his father's house, and he is now following God. And and God tells him to leave his father's house. But he didn't. It was a mar in the clay. It was an imperfection in the clay. If we study the book, we find out that when he left, he took his father with him. He took all those around him with him, and he ended up bogged down in a place called Haran. For more than four years, closer to five years, he's he's bogged down in this place because there's a lump in the clay. He hasn't done exactly what he was instructed to do, and he stays in Haran. Y'all ready? Until his father died. It took death to get him to leave where he was to go to where God originally instructed him to go. Death is a painful experience, but it's something that happened in his life. And then when he gets out, we see that a famine comes on the land. Famine is hunger. We've talked about hunger, and it's too early for me to bring up longhorns and stuff like that because y'all get hungry and leave on me early. Hunger is something that's painful, but hunger is something that gets our attention. If God wants to get our attention, the quickest two ways to get there is take away your money or take away your food. If God needs us to get on our knees, all he got to do is let the bank account get a little bit off. Or let us get a little bit hungry and we ain't got nothing to buy food. Either one of those come into place. We, we get started praying, so God allows this famine to come in the land. Now, Abram's got to make a choice. I've either got to trust God. Y'all paying attention? i either got to trust God to take care of me here, or i got to go to Egypt and get supplies. Egypt is a picture of the world. Always a picture of the world and worldly things. So Abram has to make a choice. I can either trust God here to take care of me, or I can go to the things of the world and see if the world can help me out. So he chooses Egypt. Y'all know the story. He gets in there, he lies about his wife. He lies about Sarai, says, she's not my wife, she's my sister. She winds up with the king. The king's going to make one of his concubines, finds out the truth, comes to Abram and says, what are you doing? How could you lie to me? God allows his man to be run out of town. He is cast out of a wicked place like the world from Egypt. And in the process, he's brought shame to himself. He brought shame to his family. And worst of all, he brought shame to his God. He come in claiming to be this man of God, and he walks out a liar. It was a mar in the clay. If that's not bad enough, when he left, he took Hagar with him. A handmaid for Sarai becomes another lump in the clay. There's a mar. So God had to work some things. He failed at some things in his life. But, but both times, there was something that drove him out. They were painful. It was death that caused him to leave Haran and set out. It, it, was, it was temptation of, of hunger that caused him to fail there at Egypt. Both of them were painful times in his life. But both of them, he learned a great deal. Both of them were all on the wheel. They were all part of the process. So after the, the birth of Ishmael by Hagar, which is just another lump in the clay, that was all trying to help God out as well because God's promised him a son, but he's an old man, and Sarai, later to be Sarah, is, is barren and can't have children, so he helps God out by using Hagar, the handmaid, because if I'm going to have a child, I've got to do it somewhere different. It's another lump in the clay. It's a, it's a slight shadow of a doubt. Okay, God, you have promised me that, and here's where we're going to do it. So in chapter 16, after we see uh, that, that Ishmael is born, God appears again in chapter 17 to, to Abram. Now, when Abram left, headed towards Canaan, he's 75 years old. Here in chapter 17, verse number 1 of Genesis, when Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. Thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations, Abram was a father of nations. Abraham is the father of nations, for a father of many nations have I made thee. Verse number 6, I will make thee exceeding fruitful. I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. God made a new vessel which seemed good to the potter. Abraham went through some hard stuff to become Abraham. After the promise is fulfilled, God's not through. Now he's Abraham, he's this new vessel, but now God sends him to the mountains of Moriah and says, I need you to go there and offer up thy son, thine only son. I need you to go there. So God, after he has made this vessel, after he has put it on the pot and made what seemed good to the potter, now he tested this new vessel. I'm just saying God will allow you and I to be tested. God will allow our faith to be put on trial, if it will. I thank God that when I stand before him, I won't be on trial because Jesus Christ, my mediator, my propitiation, my salvation, my defense attorney, the one who has justified all my sins, erased everything that I've done, will stand there in my account and say, paid in full, I got him covered. But right now, my faith can be put on trial. God can allow things in our life. And I'll be honest, it's not to let God see what we're going to do. God already knows. It's to let me see how I'm going to fail. It's to let me see how weak I am. It's to let me see how vile I am and how much I need to be changed. You look in the New Testament, we have the Apostle Peter. When we first meet Peter, he is a fisherman named Simon. As we get to know Peter through the Scriptures, we see this type A personality. We, We see this person who is... Rather quick to speak. I don't want to tell anybody is, are we good with that? He he is um emotional, a little bit of an emotional roller coaster. He has some ups and downs. He seems to have kind of a short fuse. He seems to pop off rather quickly in a lot of situations. I'm just saying to look at what you see up front doesn't particularly look like one that Jesus is gonna take and name him the rock. The, the one upon whom I will, will build my Church, I I know it's Peter. He's the one that said to the Lord, I I would never, I'd never deny you. Well, I'd follow you into prison. I'd follow you into death. I'd never deny you, but he did. He did exactly like the Lord told him he would do. He denied him three times. There were some lumps in the clay. Peter, see, God could see the finished product, that there was something very usable in this personality, but in order to get it to that, there were some lumps in the clay that had to be taken out. There were some things in the image that needed to be reshaped. Luke chapter 22, Peter had denied that he knew the Lord three times. This is on the night of the crucifixion. And, And in verse number 60 of Luke chapter 22, just as Peter denies him the third time, he says, Man, I know not what thou sayest, talking to the third one that accused him. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. The Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord. And he said unto him, Before the cock crow." Thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter went out and wept bitterly. The reason Peter went out and wept bitterly is because he realized what he had just done. And he was truly sorrowful. That's important. He was truly sorrowful. He knew what he did was wrong, and he had a repentant heart for what he had done. So when Jesus appears to the women after the resurrection, he says, You go tell the disciples and Peter. Because the last time he looked on Peter was when Peter denied him the third time, and he looked on his face. John chapter 21, Jesus shows himself to the disciples a third time. He's there at the Sea of Tiberias. You know the story that they've gone out fishing. If you don't know the story, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say it that way. But I'll tell you the little clip of the story. They've been out fishing. They're at the Sea of Tiberias. Jesus comes, and he asks them, have you any meat? They realize that this is the Lord now. Peter jumps in and he swims back to the shore. They all come together and, and Jesus has a meal prepared there for them. So after they've eaten together, John chapter 21 says in verse 15 that when they had died, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? He saith to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith in him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, don't you just know Peter's thinking, he's going to ask me something else now. He's going to ask me another question. I like this little personal conversation we're having here. And he says, lovest thou me? Didn't didn't you just ask me that? Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith in him, feed my sheep. He saith to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas. Now you know Peter's like, okay, we've got that established now. We're going on to the next step. And he says, Lovest thou me? The Bible tells there in John 21 that Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said to him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith to him, Feed my sheep. In John chapter 1, Andrew has heard about Jesus, he's seen Jesus and he goes to get his brother. Verse number 41 of John chapter 1, he finds his own brother Simon and saith unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. When he brought him to Jesus and Jesus beheld him, he said, thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The book of Mark chapter 3 verse 16, Simon he sure named Peter, Peter, the the Greek word is petros. It means the same thing as what Jesus said there at Cephas. It means a stone or or a rock. Now, notice here in our story in John chapter 21, he calls him by his old name, Simon. Now, that may not mean a lot to you and I, but I'm betting that had a sting to Simon. From the day that he met him, he said, I'm going to call you Cephas. From the day that he first got there, he said, your name was Simon. But I'm going to call you Peter. I'm going to sure name you Peter. And and it means a stone. It may not mean a lot to you and I that he changed and went back to the old name, but it meant something to Peter. F.B. Myers tells the story of a high-ranking official, says that he has servants, and he gave each of his servants sure names. Why like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego? That's not their name. That's the name that the kings gave them. That was the sure name that the king appointed to them. But here's what Myers says about this this high-ranking official. He says that when he is displeased with the servant, he would call them by their old name. That means if he called him by Simon, then he understood something wasn't exactly right. The best way I know how to put it where certainly my generation is going to understand this, and I imagine most of you have. Your mama or daddy ever called you by your whole name and pronounced every syllable in your name? There wasn't no Donald come here. It was every syllable at a volume a little bit above normal, and you knew right then, this ain't going to work out too good for me. And if they ask, what did you do, or do you know what you've done, the last thing you could do is answer because you don't know which thing they know about. <laughs> so you've got to keep your mouth shut until they put one on you, so at least you know which one you're on trial for. You know which one the leather is about to be working on your behalf to shape you into a better image, right? So, so he calls Peter Simon. See, he taught Peter something here in this passage that Peter never forgot. Before the death of Jesus, Peter, Peter's kind of harsh. He's this headstrong individual, even variable in his attitude. Jesus calls him by his old name, but he gives him something to do. But if you study this book, Peter, after Jesus Christ ascends into the heaven, he is the front runner of the preacher of the gospel. He's the one that preached at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit showed up on the 50th day. 3,000 souls were saved. He's the one that stood before the Sanhedrin and preached to them and a whole multitude of people. He became a stone. Kill me if you will, but I'm standing for Christ. So, so something new. The, the Bible is full of stories like that. We just looked at one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. But the Word of God is 66 books full of men and women that God has placed Him on the wheel and reshaped their life. All I'm saying is that these guys went through some hard times. They went through some rough situations. Sometimes they got it right. Sometimes they didn't. Amen in the house. But in everybody's case, the potter never threw away the clay, even when they made a mistake, even when they didn't get it right, even if he didn't go to the potter's house. The Lord gave him another chance to teach him another way on another day. God never gave up on them. God's never given up on me when he has every reason to. God's never given up on any of us. Sometimes we go through some things that just don't make sense to us. Sometimes we go through some things that that are just hard. Sometimes we pray for things, and with all our heart, we just don't feel like the the prayer's being answered. Sometimes we don't even feel like God hears us. But, but in every case, we're just like these. We are God's children. And God loves us. We have to remember when God's doing something in us, we can't see the finished product. God can. All we can see is the right here and right now. All I can see is this wheel is spinning, and I'm getting bent and molded and shaped, and it ain't very comfortable, and I don't like where I'm at. But I can't see where God is going with it. Sometimes when we pray, when when I pray, sometimes we we pray for temporary things. And we feel like it's not being answered, but God is answering and He's giving us eternal things. Sometimes we pray, and here's my prayer. God, get me out of this storm. But sometimes God does not get me out of the storm. He teaches me patience through the storm. That's why I say so often, don't ever pray for patience you got to learn patience. Sometimes God, even though we're begging to get me out of this storm, He's not getting me out of the storm, but He is giving me patience to endure the storm. So God does hear our prayer. God does answer our prayer. He doesn't always answer according to our will, but He does always answer with our best interest in His mind, and He's the potter. Some of the things that we've been through, we really would have rather not gone through them. I ain't by myself, am I? Amen. Some of the things that we've been through in life really would have rather not gone through. Some of the hard times I could have done without. Some of the heartbreaks just seemed like to me that, that I really wished I wouldn't have had to have done that. So we, we've been through some things. But if we had not been through those things, then we would not be able to personally witness to someone else about God's grace. Amen. Had we not been in that situation... And when we finally got on the other side, be able to look back and see where the grace of God carried me where I could not go, where the grace of God held me up when I could not stand, when the grace of God carried me where I could not walk. If we had not been in places where we saw God's grace do something in our lives, then we wouldn't understand what Paul meant when he wrote about my grace is sufficient for thee that God told him when he talked about the thorn in the flesh. No matter what's going on in our lives, God is working in our lives. It is his plan to mold us and to shape us into the image that seems good to the potter. The devil wants you to doubt that. The devil wants you to doubt that God cares about you. The devil wants you to believe that God has forgotten about you in your situation. The devil wants you to believe that God does not care. The devil wants us to at least... Ask the question, God, why are you doing it this way? He wants us to at least question God's intentions. At least question God's method. The the devil wants us to put a a doubt in our mind that that what God is doing truly is something that's for my good. The devil wants me to doubt that. He wants me to to write those things off. But if we look into God's Word, we can see that all of the giants in this book are men and women who have been on the wheel. You won't find one in here that has not been allowed temptations. You won't find one that has not walked through fiery furnaces and lion's dens and and deserts and and rivers and hunger and thirst and, and hated and despised by men and attacked by armies. What you find with all of God's great servants in here is every one of them were on the spinning wheel sometimes. And God shaped them into the image that they became. And even after becoming an image, they still went through trials and testings and temptations. And God says that he changes not. So his methods are no different. He's going to do you and I the same way. If we look at God's word, we can see that all of them went through some difficult times. Before I close, I couldn't help but think about Job. I was going to just give you an Old Testament and a New Testament example. But it was God. Anybody still with me? We're almost done. It's almost time to be done, isn't it? It was God that said to the devil, have you considered Job? Have you considered chapter 1, verse number 8 of Job? The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and is evil. Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Has not thou made an hedge about him? Praise God for the hedge around us. And about this house, and all that he hath on every side, God has blessed the work of his hand, and his substance is increased in the land. Verse number 11 says, Put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath. He'll curse ye that I face. The Lord was bragging on how good Job is. The devil said it's just because you give him all this stuff, and now you're protecting him. You're not letting me get to him. If you just let me get to him, I'd change all that. If you don't know all well about the story of Job, go go home and read the story of Job. It's an amazing story. Story And and what we find out here is that Job is a very wealthy man. Talking about money and possessions, it says that he's the greatest man in all the East. And it lists all of his camels and all that he has and his servants. But worse than that, it says that he has seven sons and three daughters. And in this story, he loses every bit of it. And I mean, he loses every bit of it in not even an hour's span. It's in verse number 14 of Job chapter 1. There came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, the asses feeding beside them. The Sabians fell upon them, took them away. They have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven, hath burned up the sheep, the servants, and consumed them, and I only am escaped to tell thee. While he's yet speaking, in verse number 17, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Verse number 18, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking in their elders bro- drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. It fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Verse number 20, Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground, and worshipped How? You tell me how. How does Job worship now? goes on. Verse 21 says, Naked came out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave. The Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Huh. In all this, Job sinned not. No charge God foolishly. Job was a man... That understood that God loved him. And if God allowed it, then it had to be for his good and or God's glory or it never would have happened. The potter's wheel is a workplace. Praise God we don't live on the potter's wheel. We're off and on. Praise God we don't stay on it because it is a workplace. Greg. Greg in the band, you guys come on up. It is a a place of change. It is a place of shaping. It is a place of molding and and bending and, and putting things together. It's a place that may be painful sometimes because marring the clay to make it into another vessel, everything about that sounds painful to me. Everything about taking something and marring it to start all over. But the potter takes it in his own hand and he begins to work, marring the clay to make it another vessel. He, he makes it to, to make a vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Something very important. He's not working out of anger. Y'all hear me? He's not working out of anger. He's not working out of dissatisfaction. He's not working out of frustration with us. He's working because he loves us. The the potter isn't frustrated with this piece of clay. He's just making it into something usable. The 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 father's not frustrated with his children. I, I realize sometimes we do some things that might bear frustration. But he works on us because he loves us. He's not looking to make the clay what the clay wants to be. He's looking to make the clay what the potter wants the clay to be. We all all understand that? He's not worried about what I want to be. That's where my own prayer life can get in my way. It's not about what I want to be. It's about what does the Father want the clay to be. So we have to allow God to shape us into what He wants us to be. It may not be comfortable, you know, getting air bubbles out or getting imperfections, getting impurities out, getting getting things removed. It may not be comfortable, but this one thing I know, and this I know not because I saw it this time when I studied, but I saw this three or four years ago whenever it was that I preached this before, and I loved it, and I ain't never forgotten it. If I'm on the wheel, I'm in the potter's hand. There's clump over here that that may be in the family of the clay, but it's not in the potter's hand. There's vessels over here that have been shaped. They're not in the potter's hand. But if I'm on the wheel, I'm in the potter's hand. He doesn't put the clay on the wheel to just sit there and get hard. If he puts it on the wheel, it's to nurture it. You ever watch a potter? work and they add the water they, they don't just dump water on it they, they take it with their hands and they, they delicately put it on there and they, they delicately shape and if they want ripples they take their fingernails or, or, or a finger and they make little grooves and, and it is a very delicate process they love what they're doing they're making it into something special that seems good to the potter they're making this incredible creation and that's what God's doing with you and I It's not out of anger. It's not because bad Christians. It's just God has this incredible design that He sees us as so much more than we are. So much more than we can be. And and He puts it on the wheel and He works. Sometimes it's painful. And He knows that. That's why He doesn't leave us on the wheel too long at a time. We can't take it but for so long. And we have to get off the wheel for a little while. Fortunately, He's able to apply some water and Make the clay pliable again and continue to, to, to work on us. Sometimes, sometimes we just have to spend time with the potter. Sometimes we just have to, I don't know, sit down and ask him, what is it, Lord? It's easier for me to say why. The better question is what. There's something that you want me to be. There's something you work into shape. And, and here's, here's the prayer of everyone in this place. I want to be what you want me to be. I I don't believe there's a person in here that don't have the exact same prayer. I want to be what you want me to be. I want to be in your image, used for your glory, until the day I leave this earth. I believe that's our prayer. Sometimes we go through some stuff. I want to ask if you would to stand. These guys are going to sing a song. While you're standing before they sing, I wonder if there's anybody in here I wonder if there's anybody out there live stream wherever you are it's never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you're living on borrowed time the price is paid for a sinner like me that deserves to go to hell and get to go to heaven it wasn't free it's only free to me The price was the greatest price that's ever been paid Jesus Christ paid it at Calvary's cross the, the price was great But it's offered for free to me. It's offered for free to you. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jason referred to it. There's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. The name is Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life, Jesus. No other way. I wonder if there's anybody listening. You've never trusted Christ, your personal Lord and Savior. But you understand, I don't have a magic poem to give you. You get to repeat and go home and, and be a Christian. But I do know how to tell you to be a Christian. Surrender, surrender your heart to the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. Father, forgive me of my sins. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm lost. I want to be found. I know I'm a sinner and I want to be saved. I confess all my sins to you now. I want to surrender my heart to you. It's not fireproof. Not just you get to buy fire insurance, it is a surrender. Not just asking God, save me from hell. It's God, take my life and make it into what you want it to be. Put me on the wheel and mold me, Father. I want to live my life for you. It's a surrender of the heart. Father, forgive me of my sins and save my soul in Jesus' name. If you give your heart to God through Jesus Christ, it is the Father that will save your soul. He's faithful and just. The gift is free, but you have to reach out and take the gift or it does you no good. I can offer you free gifts all day. If you don't take them, they do you no good. If you've never trusted Christ, Paul said, now's the acceptable time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. You can be saved no matter where you are out there. You may be watching a recording. It may not even be Sunday anymore. No matter where you are, God's grace is sufficient. If you'd ask him to save you. Go ahead and sing, guys. You're welcome to pray. Altar is always open.